Hello, we are here live coming to you from Olivia's Hollywood home. My very sophisticated Hollywood home right now. Jake Trevino is sitting on a step stool. You have chairs, I'm sure. You just haven't brought them out yet, right? No, I don't have chairs. Got it. Okay, <laughs> cool. Are you planning on having like a housewarming or anything? Probably a little like shindig, a little movie night or something. You know that you always get the VIP exclusive invite. And I love that VIPs, or at least for me, a v- VIP is my room. It's just a VIP room. And anybody that doesn't want to be a part of the party <laughs> can come to my room. There have been a couple get togethers at your place where I have hid in your room. Cool. Thank you for inviting me to your place. Thanks for coming. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> I rushed out of my house to get here. The roads were empty. It's five o'clock. That was a little strange. That is really weird. Yeah, five lanes. And nobody knows how to drive. Everyone uses one lane. Just shows me that people need to move away. Yes. Move away or move to the other four lanes. <laughs> Tiny update. Let's get into it. What is going on for you? Wow, what is going on for me? Okay, um, I went to the beach this weekend for a friend's birthday. We went to Malibu. There was a fire behind the cliff. And apparently it was started by an arsonist. Oh, so it was intentional. Yes, because we are not having a bad fire season or bad fire conditions at the moment. But yeah, there is a crime afoot. What? I've also like been to the beach twice this week. Both times I went, I saw like tons of cops. One day it was like a roped off crime scene. I want to know what's up. Florida has open record laws so you can find out what like the perpetrator's favorite color is. Like it's so detailed. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) here you don't hear about it unless it's a car chase. I hear so, so many helicopters. I feel like there's like a landing pad somewhere in my neighborhood or potentially on top of my apartment's roof. You know, every building in downtown past a certain story has a helipad for them to land on. Got it. Okay. So there is. Yeah, (laughs) pretty much. (laughs) They hover over like the area that I'm in, which is questionable to me, but (laughs) sometimes it's the wee hours of the morning. I'm kind of desensitized to it. I feel like you remember the first time we had our first helicopter experience. The lady with the knife? Yeah. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yes. I just remember hearing there's somebody in the house. Everybody leaves the house and they're just looking for the bad guy. And it's just this homeless lady and she had a knife. Our friend said that she was taking a nap and she woke up and there was a homeless woman standing over her with a knife. My God. This is a great commercial for L.A. (laughs) Wait. When Hollywood is thought of as a way of life rather than a place on the map, this is a stylish, overly motorized community. When we first saw this uh, intruder, um, (laughs) she walks into the house and I guess gets startled that there's actually someone home. She kind of tries to play it off and she like says some random like, is uh, Julie here? And they're like, there's no Julie lives here. And she's like, "Mm, mm," and she just like leaves. And then later that day, someone found a bunch of kittens. Mm. So they made up for it. Yep. (laughs) Still a good day. (laughs) A day in LA, you know, (laughs) 
one side there's somebody screaming to like a pole and then the other side is Jay Leno. That's so true. And then also why do I see Jay Leno all the time? I actually do see Jay Leno. You've had like multiple yeah. Jay Leno spottings. But he's always he like always looks like a biker, a true man. I've seen Bad Baby twice. After some casual name dropping, what are your tiny updates? My tiny updates. Uh, Today, if ever there was a day that was a GTL day, today is that day. (laughs) You had time to GTL today? Yeah, that was a big chunk of my day. GTL plus. Lots of laundry. Um, I had to drop some equipment off because this weekend I got to film uh, a new project that I'm working on with some friends. I'm really pumped about that. Can you talk about it yet? I, you know, like it's cool. It's fun. A music session where we find up and coming artists. Like a, like a backyard session yeah, sort of thing. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Kind of, yeah. Similar to like a, a tiny desk or a colors or something like that. They, they usually run pretty smoothly. I forgot all the equipment I was supposed to bring, <laughs> which was literally like two mics and two cables. Part of my n- new novel, My Life is a Circus and Here's Why. <laughs> <laughs> I also got a spray tan, so if I look golden very, and no, beautiful, I don't. I don't know if it's set in yet. It's actually probably been about an hour and a half since I've gotten it. My face probably oily. It's not oily. It's not. No. Okay, good. You heard it here first. Have you ever gotten one like in person? No, like like a custom one. Yeah, where someone actually sprays goes you. into like all your crevices. Yeah. <laughs> With and like sprays a little, you with a gun. With a little gun. That would have to be a whole day. I don't know if I would actually go and get spray tanned by a person. Like it doesn't make sense to me. Unless I had like a shoot or something and I was bearing all, if you know what I mean. It sounds embarrassing. I don't know if I want someone doing Spraying that. every, yeah. <laughs> and you know, you know how people are here. They're probably like, I've sprayed Kim Kardashian. So like, I know what I'm doing. And then they just compare you. Yeah. You don't want to, you don't want <laughs> someone to that, that yeah. Is that just my like insecurities? I'm, I'm just putting it off on their business. I'm sure they're totally professional and whatever. You have to be certified, right? I don't know. I think you can just buy the the gun. Oh, I get my my tips from Ariana Grande's spray tan person. I mean, they were like, I spray tan Ariana Grande. You see what I mean? Yeah, they do that. Yes. (laughs) You gymmed, you tanned, you laundried. I did. Oh, I did. I I worked out too. But I had so much energy this morning and I had to work out because I woke up to a very hateful message. What? Yes, I did. And- I don't want to call this person out because no, I'm no. better than that. You're not messy. <laughs> but um, no, it was just somebody that was just really nasty and just decided to uh, self-project a lot of um, this person's energy onto me. And look, the only reason I'm bringing this up is because I think it's important to know when you're self-projecting, right? And yeah. I think I think we all go through it, right? So I'm not even like faulting this person for that. But like sometimes you catch yourself being like, oh, is that something that I'm like upset about or like that I'm kind of struggling with? Or is it actually this person? Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah, everyone projects to a certain extent because you're you only kind of know things from your own experience. But to wake up and send someone a hateful message is like next level. Yeah. If you know Jake in real life, he's exactly the way he is on this podcast, pretty much. Good vibes pretty much all the time. He's a cancer, so sometimes he gets a little sad, <laughs> but that's okay. This is just a testament to the fact that that person who did that is not in their right mind. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is. It's really sad. I don't know when you, when you tend to put a lot of that out there and it's very, very like a matter of fact Mm -hmm. tone, it usually means that that's on you and you're going through some underlying things in your life. So maybe, I don't know if you're listening to this, which you probably are because you're kind of obsessed. You should probably (laughs) (laughs) look into that. Um, Maybe get some therapy. Therapy is so great. Maybe. I don't know. I'm not a therapist. Jake and Olivia are not licensed therapists. Mm-hmm. So recently, I don't know if you heard about this, but like the government has been releasing UFO footage. I saw this like video of this UFO flying in the sky and then the military is like watching it and they're like, oh, look at it, look at it. It's like getting closer to the water. It's getting close. And it's like skimming the water. It's just like this little disc and they're like, bro, like, look, this is, this is crazy. Like it's probably about to hit the water. And as soon as they say that, it dips into the water and it disappears. It just oh, goes inside what? of the water and then it disappears. I'm just staring at my phone like what just happened? And then I'm seeing another one and I'm like, why are they going to the water? But I read this theory today that like these UFOs are getting fuel from like atoms in the water or something like hydro. I don't I have no idea. But yeah, I'm like, freaked out. Isn't that crazy? The government's like dropping all this footage about UFOs, confirming very casually that everything I knew to be true is true. <laughs> and you have these these government officials or people that have worked in government for a really long time they're like looking at these like newscasters telling them what they know and the ca- the newscasters are like really are you are you sure this sounds a little too strange and they're like yeah it is strange but it's true i read a quote because you you were kind of telling me about this right before we started mm-hmm. it was the guy on 60 minutes and mm. he says something along the lines of i'm not going to say that it doesn't sound wacky yeah and this is like in anticipation of the the UFOs dropping on on June 1st. Yes. The UFO EP on June 1st. <laughs> These aliens are dropping an album and it's real. No, they, I'm nervous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Appar- well, so, I mean, they're definitely confirming the UFOs. They haven't confirmed aliens yet, mm-hmm. um, which that is their next step. They are gearing us up for an alien summer. It, it, <laughs> 2021 is is the year of the UFO 100%. We we're going this 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 year is going down in history for the confirmation of UFOs. Insane. I'm just hoping it's not going to be a situation where we're like, man, remember the pandemic? Good times because yeah. the UFOs are just like so scary. Of course, I do believe that aliens are real and we can totally talk about that in a separate podcast, but for this one, here's my prediction on how this is going to go down, just because I know how the government is. And we've already talked about the government, right? Yeah, they're we talked about the government. And they're like, but they, they're still kind of shady. Yeah, you bust out that notes app. This is how Mars will be the fall of America. 
and the rest of the world. Oh my gosh. In the next five to 10 years, there's going to be this universal shift in just ideology. I think everybody's going to start really focusing on themselves and like understanding how connected we are to something bigger. That is going to lead into just this idea that like everything we know about physics and technology, we've probably been behind at least 100 years. Common people will decide whether or not they want to go to space because we'll have that capability, right? I had a whole night in the shower thinking about this. <laughs> shower thoughts. <laughs> Cliche, but this is legitimately what I was thinking. Thirdly, America will release evidence of uh, and confirm that aliens exist. Okay, we've already known that UFOs exist at this point. Now aliens are a thing. We're like, oh man, there's actually another life form out there. Who would have thought? And they're going to bring a whole new like idea of physics and technology. And we're going to really, really want that. I think we'll be able to get along with them just fine. That's very sweet of you to think. Well, you know, you know me. I'm just best intentions. I know. I know. Obviously, we're talking about green energy. Yeah. We've also been talking about crypto, Dogecoin. Crypto is not very environmentally friendly. So we need to bring in a greener energy to make a universal payment. Whoa. Which will also be accepted on Mars. So we're going to end up leaving this planet because of what? <laughs> this is all a story guys i'm i literally am not this guy. i don't want to leave earth we're going to we're going to leave because I like earth. well we 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 have to inhabit another planet i'm a capricorn i can't be leaving earth call me old fashioned i'm staying right mars here mars doesn't have hawaii it might have something similar though we don't mars know mars is crusty <laughs> From far away it is, but when you really get close and personal, I'm sure it's beautiful. I don't think so. I've seen the pictures. <laughs> it's all red and burnt. That's really how we're going to start communicating with other life forms. They're going to be the ones to really break the barrier between what we know and what we don't know. And there's no reason why they can't bring that in for us. Your Yours is so optimistic. It could also go the complete opposite. <laughs> I think that there's a couple different things that can happen. Uh, the biggest thing I think it is, is that it will be a little weird. It will be like, yes, we do not. These are truly unidentified flying objects. We don't know what they are. We don't know where they came from. They could be, you know, like another country trying weird aircrafts or something, mm. or they could come from space and we just don't know. True. But they might hype it up a little bit and they'll distract us while they print out even more money because they've printed too much mm. money, mm -hmm. you mm. know, like in America. Yeah. And I know that you guys are here for my economic <laughs> report. <laughs> I feel like it's a distraction, you know, like for why sure. else would they, like the government doesn't have to follow its own rules. It doesn't have to follow its own statute of limitations. Like, right. What is like a lawyer from like the Midwest going to sue them symbolically? They yeah. can do whatever they want. It's so strange that they're deciding to release this unless they just know that they can't keep the lid on it anymore I, with the internet, you know? I guess we know that Trump is the one who called this. I, well, I think it was like in the first stimulus bill. <gasps> oh, yeah. He Remember was like, he, yeah, he was I'm like, only everybody, passing it. Yeah, everyone's getting $1,400. Oh, and by the way, leaked the footage. <laughs> and everybody was like, excuse me. Button. Oh my gosh, my mind is spinning now. Now I'm like, okay, so alien abductions, could that be real too? 
could it? We might be getting into that. We oh don't my know. gosh. <laughs> Definitely another episode for that. Just this, an entire thing. This isn't the alien episode, but the alien episode is coming soon. Oh. Don't worry. Today, we are talking about the strange phenomenons of disappearances within the U.S. national parks and wildlands. We've been seeing videos of this here and there, like on TikTok. I had seen some of a documentary that I'll mention, and it's incredibly eerie. It's a big mystery. The government, once again, is like, well, we don't don't know what's going on. And it's up to the people mm-hmm. to figure it out. This is kind of exciting because I think it might be one of our first in the vein of true crime episodes. Yeah. But of course, there's a little paranormal stuff sprinkled in. This is good. It's going to be good. I got a little background on the disappearances in the parks, okay. the wildlands, according to the New York Post. More than 600,000 people go missing in the U.S. every year. Over 1,600 of them go missing in the U.S. wildlands and national parks. And they don't know where they go and they don't know what happens to them. After the September 11th attacks, the government tried to build its own database to track law enforcement actions across the lands managed by the National Park Service the Bureau of Land Management, U.S. Fish and Wildlife, and the Bureau of Indian Affairs, which I think they might have changed that name. Just a side note, the Forest Service is under the Department of Agriculture, so that's something different. So they tried to come up with this system. It cost $50 million, and it's virtually useless. It leads to nowhere. And if you're wondering, like, why this is a problem, it's because we don't have, like, a good system for it. And only 14% of the several hundred reportable incidents were entered into it last year. The Fish and Wildlife Service have said no thanks and they refuse to use it. Mm. (laughs) There's currently no federal standards for terrestrial search and rescue. It's pretty much only if they think there's something criminal involved, then federal government will get involved. But for the most part, not so much a missing person is considered a local problem. But then like the sheriff of a little town is not going to be able to like do all that much for searching hundreds of miles of like wildlife that goes beyond their jurisdiction. This is just happening pretty regularly. It's happening and it's something that should be dealt with more and it's not. I had no idea this was like a real thing until you you brought this up. There's there's some interesting commonalities between these cases sometimes. For one, people who do turn up in the in the rare case that they actually find them, they have been turning up very far from where they disappeared. If a missing person turns up deceased, the strange circumstances they're found in usually generate more questions than answers. Occasionally, people have been found unbelievable distances from where they went missing. Though it's possible a person could wander a great distance after being lost, there's still some circumstances where it's really complicated. Like a toddler once went missing and turned up 12 miles from where he vanished. Uh, Between those 12 miles, there were two mountain ranges and several creeks. And the people who found him 
said that it was way too far for a toddler to have ventured on his own. Mm. And they don't know because he's a toddler. He can't Mm. talk about it. Um, In the rare event that a missing person is found deceased, the autopsy does not often communicate very conclusive information. Most reported autopsies come back inconclusive and pathologists are not able to determine the cause of death. Some people use this as evidence for paranormal activity, but no one truly knows what happened. This guy named um, David Polides has these documentaries that are probably like the most cohesive like media bodies of facts around this. And they're called like Missing 411. I think I watched one on YouTube, but he um, he's, <laughs> he's an expert. I think he's a former cop and he is a cryptozoologist now, I believe, mm. which means he studies cryptids. Wow. Oh, wait, David, D- David Polides. P- P- yeah. Polides? Okay. Yeah. So he like, he studies like Bigfoot and everything too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he has spent over 7,000 hours researching the national park disappearances. Wow. And he has kind of like found some common links between them Um, And he said when he was speaking to a park ranger, he was told the park service was doing everything possible to keep a lid on the publicity surrounding the missing people. The National Parks of the U.S. was established to preserve plants, animals, and ecology of certain regions. So it makes sense that humans stepping into these areas should be careful. Bears, mountain lions, buffalo, lots of dangerous animals call the national parks home and they have been known to attack people. If it wasn't for bears or mountain lions, some people speculate cryptid creatures such as Bigfoot could have been involved. I've also seen people talk about the Wendigo, which would make sense. Believers also claim missing people could have been used as a food source for these creatures. And that's why so few are ever found. Um, there's this weird thing, like there's, there's a connection with berries. There are several clusters that David Polides has found in common with the disappearances. Some, like people disappearing around bodies of water, are easily explained as the number one cause of death in national parks has been drowning over the last decade, mm-hmm. but others make less sense. He calls them clusters, which is like areas or common circumstances. One such cluster appears when looking at the amount of people who have gone missing near berry bushes. I know. What? I know. They're keeping track of this. Yeah, he's he's been investigating it because no one else will. And he says people disappear and are found in the middle of berry bushes. They go missing while picking berries, while some are found eating berries. The connection between the disappearances and berries cannot be denied. Okay, bears. Okay, bears eat berries. <laughs> <laughs> and so do people. <laughs> Uh, I wonder if like there's some like an unstudied berry that like makes people go crazy and like run into the wilderness. Has to be. I don't know. Another factor is that national park trails have been known to mysteriously change. Another mystery reported by the few who've gone missing and returned is that trails within the parks have changed mysteriously and instantly without warning. One person told a story of walking five feet off the trail to look at a sign on a tree And then when she turned back, she said, literally, the trail was not there. What? 
think about what is five feet away from us now. Yeah. This room that we're in that we can see across very clearly is over five feet. Like, yeah. That's not, it's not, because when I first read that, I was like, oh, maybe they, like, trees all look the same. Things yeah. get confusing in the forest. But, like, you know what's five feet around you. For sure. You know? Yeah. Maybe she was just overly discombobulated. <laughs> I would be taken in a heartbeat. Oh, I know. This is another uh, reason why Olivia doesn't camp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, another person said their son had three hours of unaccounted time while they were on a trail. In some cases, this is fairly typical lost person behavior. It can be quite frightening for those involved. I have two tiny stories. Okay, I'm excited. In 1979, a student named Stephen Kubaki went missing for 15 months after going skiing in a national park. Sheesh. At the scene of the disappearance, investigators followed his footprints until they mysteriously stopped. 15 months later, he woke up in a field 700 miles away from where he went missing and only 40 miles away from his father's house. Wow. He found his father's house and knocked on the door. Kubaki was wearing clothes that weren't his and had a satchel that didn't belong to him. He claimed to remember nothing that had happened. And he said he didn't suffer from psychological problems and he never ended up seeking help. And he eventually got a PhD in clinical psychology. So just a complete enigma Mm -hmm. there. (laughs) Yeah. How does one, like, how do you not remember 15 months of your life like that? And you show up in these strange circumstances. And then another one is from David Polides. And In one case, he writes about an anonymous three-year-old boy who went missing in a national park near Mount Shasta in California. He was found five hours later in a thicket of trees. He described being taken into a cave by a woman he thought was his grandmother. Mm -mm. The boy said he eventually figured out she wasn't his grandmother, even though she was polite to him and concluded she was a robot because there was some unusual light coming from her head. When he later recounted the story for his grandmother, she said she would have brushed it off if it weren't for an experience she had camping a year prior. She claims to have woken up outside of her tent with a strange puncture wound. It kind of reminds me of any time somebody's walked into someone else's territory, they're going to retaliate or they're going to do something. Those are like ancient lands and... Yeah, we don't know. We probably are intruding. Yeah. I don't want I'm not going to get all into it, but like Americans intruded America. Exactly. And the fact that we do have these massive areas of land that weren't industrialized, they probably still carry a certain energy. For sure. There's stuff that's unexplored. We we haven't uncovered everything. It's the things that are like unknown and right in front of our faces that I think are are the most interesting, but then also can be the most tapped into very otherworldly things, in my opinion. Well, I'm ready for your story. This is about Bridgewater. Have you heard of Bridgewater Triangle? Yes. There's three different parts to it, and it kind of makes up this triangle. There's just so many windows of just unexplained things that people don't understand. They're going back to like these paranormal stories. There's cults. They see cryptids. They got everything. This triangle has everything (laughs) that we've talked about in this podcast. All-inclusive package. Yes, exactly. (laughs) 
So this is basically the first dive into Bridgewater Triangle. The ghost stories, paranormal accounts, and folklore that make up the legend of the Bridgewater Triangle are too vast to ever fit in a single book, though many devoted investigators of the Triangle have tried meticulously to record them. They encompass what can only be described as a smorgasbord of paranormal, cryptids, and just plain weird things. In fact, one of the most baffling parts of the Triangle Legends has to be the range of strange sightings said to be a part of this enigma, approximately 200 square mile area of the Bay State. Anything that you want to be in the triangle is in the triangle. It's a Pandora's box, said a folklorist and author of several books on the Bridgewater Triangle. So you're into zombies. There's stories about zombies. If you're into Bigfoot, he's there. If you're into puckwudgies, we've kind of briefly- We've talked about yeah. puckwudgies. <laughs> I don't think I'd be afraid of a puckwudgie. Just what, from its name? Just from the name. I, I'm going to regret that. What is a puckwudgie again? What is in my mind right now is just like a super short creature with really sharp teeth. And he kind of is dancing around like a gnome at this point. <laughs> okay, wait. I had to look it up. It's um, translated as a little wild man of the mm. woods that vanishes. Yes. It's found in Delaware and Wampanoag uh, folklore. Got it. You said so it's to be like, two to three feet. Yeah, kind of what you were saying. It's part fairy and part gnome. <laughs> Fairies are really scary. Fairies are scary. Yeah, they're oh. not like darling. So anyway, yeah, this is Puckwudgie Central. They're everywhere. They're all over the Bridgewater Triangle. And one need not to believe in Supernatural to enjoy the mystery and history of it all. Aaron, co-creator of a 2013 documentary on the Bridgewater Triangle, said that while he's a born skeptic, he loved collecting creepy stories about the triangle just because of the fun of it. The modern cultural origin of the Bridgewater Triangle legend is widely thought to lie within cryptozoologist Lauren Coleman's 1983 book, Mysterious America. The fact that there is a cryptozoologist is so interesting to me. So is David. Yeah. And he's making a living, yeah, apparently. They're making money doing hey, this. Maybe we should do get them. your coin. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Jesus. I'm all about a side hustle. Right. <laughs> your side hustle <laughs> imagine like hustle like a hustle and grind instagram <laughs> account but about like run by like cryptozoologists <laughs> and like recipe for success wake up at 4 a.m drink your green juice run three miles then get your binoculars out and start looking for the puck wedgie <laughs> only one percent of people do this <laughs> does anyone call you does anyone actually pay you yeah i can get it frequently multiple streams of revenue I, I don't even have to do anything it's passive people call me i get my guys on it they're like hey is this a big foot i'm like yes Yes, it is. <laughs> okay, so we're talking about Mysterious America and this cryptozoologist, Lauren Coleman. In it, he coined the term Bridgewater Triangle, inspired of a course by the Bermuda Triangle, established its rough boundaries and identified some of the triangle's most notable places and legends, calling it a window area of unexplained occurrences. Coleman, she establishes Rehoboth in the southwest, Abington in the north, and Freetown in the southeast as the three points of the triangle, meaning hundreds of thousands of people in Taunton, Brockton, Rainham, Berkeley, Dighton, Easton, Norton. 
Mansfield, this is sounding so biblical at this point. Mansfield and the Bridgewaters live inside of it. Cool. You know all those places, right? Yeah, totally. Got yeah, it. those are the spots, dude. <laughs> we go there all the time. Oh, the Northeast. <laughs> <laughs> it's a riot. But modern investigators insist that there is by no means a clear boundary for the haunted and strange area. Coleman wrote about the infamous Hakamak Swamp located between Easton and West Bridgewater as being known for its sightings of spook lights. Unexplained balls of light floating around as well as large hairy creatures often thought to be Bigfoot himself. He has also penned some of the most famous Bridgewater Triangle stories. How two radio reporters from Boston saw a home plate shaped UFO with red lights and a front headlight in the West Bridgewater in 1979. (gasps) And how in 1971, Norton Police Sergeant Thomas Downey spotted a gigantic winged creature while driving home through Easton one night and reported it to Easton Police, much to his ridicule. Excuse me? Yeah, they're out there. But the stories go far beyond what Coleman captured in his book. The mysterious Dighton Rock with its strange writings is often included Anawan Rock in Rehoboth, Lake Nippon-Nicket, and Profile Rock in Freetown are hotspots for sightings of phantom campfires and ghosts of Native Americans. Also notable for paranormal sightings are Solitude Stone, the Rainham Taunton Dog Track. (laughs) They're really just making it up. Yo, they're bringing... (laughs) These are real places, okay? There's ghosts here and cryptids. I don't believe you. (laughs) (laughs) One of the eeriest legends has to be the red-headed hitchhiker of Route 44. I didn't say it, they did. It is said that a man with a big ginger beard, a plaid (laughs) flannel shirt, and jeans is often seen on the side of the road near Rehoboth, Seekonk town. He is said to get into cars only to disappear. And then there's this Freetown State Forest, which has perhaps the darkest reputation of them all. There's Assonet Ledge, the site of many suicides, and where people who have never considered suicide are said to get the sudden urge to jump. But much of this is apparently due to its ties to horrifying true crime stories. Retired Freetown Detective Sergeant Alan Alves said he witnessed evidence of regular satanic cult activity in the forest for 15 to 20 years, beginning to the late 1970s and continuing into early 90s. He said he and other officers would regularly find animals that appeared to be sacrificed ritualistically with no blood in the animal, but none on scene either. They'd often find satanic graffiti and upside down crosses and pentagrams. Alf said police believe the infamous Fall River cult murderers Carl Drew and Robin Murphy conducted rituals in the forest, even having a hut in the middle. Alves also said police found an underground bunker with creepy dolls believed to belong to a satanic couple Mm -mm. who were prosecuted for molesting children they had adopted. That's sick. Oh my, where did, Yeah. when they looked up their address, they weren't like, oh, (laughs) you live in a bunker. It sounds like a great place for a child. In the middle of the freaking Bridgewater Triangle or the Freetown Forest or whatever. Alves was the first officer on scene at the discovery of 15-year-old Mary Lou Aruda of Rainham's body after she was kidnapped in 1978 and found dead 
in the forest two months later tied to a tree. Oh my gosh. That stayed with me because at the time my daughter was just a few years younger, Alf said. Since Coleman's introduction of the Bridgewater Triangle to the world, a select group of paranormal investigators and enthusiasts have stepped up to record and investigate as many strange occurrences as possible, and in doing so, continue the story of the Triangle. Most have their own websites devoted to the findings in the Triangle, but none have any definitive answers as to what is going on there. It's trying to solve a mystery that doesn't want to be solved, Balzano said. You're never going to find the answer, but you're going to find a lot of clues. So what is going on in the Bridgewater Triangle? There is, of course, what perhaps most skeptics believe. It is because the region has been defined as strange that people are automatically attributing things that could be easily explained as paranormal because there's heightened sense of awareness living there. In other words, you hear something crashing in the woods and it could be a deer, but everyone's minds go to the Bigfoot because they're living in the Bridgewater Triangle. But others who have dedicated their time to investigating the triangle are convinced there is something more going on here. Bellinger believes it goes back to King Philip's War, a war between the English settlers and the Native Americans in the mid-1670s. The bloodiest war per capita in U.S. history it took place largely in the Bridgewater Triangle region and ended with Wampanoa Chief Medicom, also known as King Philip, being hung, beheaded, drawn, and quartered, and his head displayed on a pike for 200 years at Plymouth Colony. You've probably heard the trope of the unfinished business. The unfinished business really has nothing to do with the dead. It has everything to do with the living, Bellinger said. We don't like people getting away with murder even if it happened a long time ago. So there's this nagging feeling that happened in this area. I hear you, I hear you, yes. But many other triangle investigators believe King Philip's war is merely a symptom of the negative energy there and that its mysteriousness is much older, having something to do with the land and possibly even being conscious. <gasps> there are these areas all over the globe that are nicknamed window areas, said Andrew Lake of Greenville Paranormal Research. There are these locations that seem to be like a tear in the veil to other realities. It's a thing. It's not a location. It's not a random place on a map, Belzano said. It's a living, breathing thing that has a hunger and has a dark side to it. But whatever you believe, the Bridgewater Triangle is just a step out the door for anyone living in the southeastern Massachusetts area. And when you see something strange, you might just wonder if it was something more than it seemed. Oh my gosh. It's crazy. It's That's a lot. That's chilling. I love what he said there at the end. It's a thing. It's not a location. And I totally believe that. We can make up these stories or whatever. Like it could be something logical to us. But it's important to understand that the unknown is not logical and it's a thing. Regardless of if it's tangible or if it's not, I do believe energy doesn't just disappear. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, agreed. And also when you're treating people horribly, when you're killing populations. Engaging in like brutality. Yeah. And, and hopping into other, into spaces you have no idea about, but then act like you do. You really never know. This totally confirms that. I haven't had like a full confirmed paranormal experience, but mm. I've definitely gone to places and felt energy before. And mm. Sometimes you feel really good energy mm -hmm. and then sometimes you get that feeling where you're like, right, this feels dark. For sure. 
these things are called windows, you know what I mean? Yeah. And these windows are, are conscious. It's all about the the conscious. It, just us talking about it gives us the thought of being aware. And that's what awareness is. It's uh, the awareness of awareness, right? Regardless of if it's a pukwaji, a UFO, mm-hmm. yeah, a Bigfoot, or you're waking up in the middle of the forest, they're all kind of connected. And don't go camping. <laughs> That's the moral of the story. Don't go camping, guys. <laughs> the story was all over the place. I don't know any of these places and uh, apologize that I can't even pronounce many of them. But this is really exciting to read. Yours was insane. I didn't realize that there were people that were so deep into this stuff. Rating these stories. How are we? What are we rating them with? What's the scale? I want to say puckwudgies, but have we used that before? <laughs> no. No. I, I think I think it's a puckwudgie on a UFO kind of day. Puckwudgie on a UFO? Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm rating your story. Mm-hmm. 10 out of 10 <gasps> puckwudgie on UFO. Wow. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> it was, it was wow, really good. Wow, what an good. honor. I love it because I think this is like a really interesting topic that I don't think I've ever really heard a lot of people talk about. I love it. 10 out of 10. <gasps> Thank you. Opening my eyes. I'm giving you nine out of 10 puckwudgies on a UFO. Thank you. That was banging. Thank you so much. That that really freaked me out. I love that he said that there's windows, there's a veil between, you know, what did he say? Like dimensions? Yeah, or? they call these things outer windows or something. I don't know. You can rewind it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's absolutely chilling. And I love getting into like, not even like the obvious scary stuff, but when we get into like surreal, like theory where it's like time and space mm-hmm. and energy, like I feel like deep inside, I know it's real. And yeah. like, I am trying to like deny it, like push it right. out of my brain. <laughs> Which is like the underlying issue with anything. If we don't see it, it's really hard for us to really believe it. At the end of the day, it still can be there. <laughs> if you haven't yet, please follow us on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts. Give us a few a few stars, preferably five. You can follow me on Instagram at Olivia Brody. Yes. You can follow Jake on Instagram at Jake Trevino. And you can follow both of us and the podcast at Scary, scary Stories, Stories That Scare Us. Here's something that I wanted to share really <gasps> quick before I leave. We had this really good idea to create a hotline. Yes, <laughs> the haunted hotline. That was Jake's genius, by the way. <laughs> we'll pass out a number here in the next like uh, week or so, I guess. And you guys can call the number and tell your favorite scary stories. It could happen to you. It, it could have happened to a friend. But if it gave you chills, if it gave you a fright, if it gave you a spook, then we want to hear it. You call that number and we'll put it on the pod. What does it have to be? Three minutes or less? It has to be three minutes or less. And as soon as you're done hearing my message, <laughs> just just say it. If it's even good enough, why not try to figure out a way to like get them on the actual podcast and like we could dive even deeper, right? Exactly. If you've ever said this to me, if you've ever asked me to be on this podcast, you better send a story in because we want to yes. hear it. Yes. Bye-bye, Bye-bye, booze. booze.